So, for those that don't know, we are in a series called The Imperfect Disciple. As y'all can see behind me, it is all about discipleship, and this is our seventh week. By the way, is this too loud? Because I can't hear myself. So, we're good? Okay, sweet. Then this thing gets to go over there, because I don't need it anymore. And last week, Dave talked about community within the church. Um, And one of the major points is that we cannot properly grow as Christians apart from Christian community. Um, So church is so much more than a place where we come to sit and hear a sermon, kind of like we're doing now, but it's more than that. We're not just here to grow ourselves. We're here to pour into those around us, um, to use our spiritual gifts in a way that we grow ourselves, yes, but we also help everyone else in this room, in this church, in this body grow. And that's really the picture that gets painted for us in Titus 2, 1 through 10. So it shows this really cool image of the older generations coming alongside the younger generations and pouring into them, teaching them what they know. And it's just so cool, especially during this time of year, because that's exactly what we're doing with Impact. So think about it. Some of the older students, y'all get to be captains. Y'all then get to turn around and pour what y'all have learned into these younger students. Younger students and older students, y'all then take all of that collective knowledge and go out into the world. Y'all get to go out into the backyards, to apartment complexes, to share the good news of Jesus. And to most of it, for most of y'all, it's going to be to younger kids. So again, we get to turn around and an older generation gets to pour into this younger generation. It's just so cool to look at. Um, So today we'll be in Galatians 5. So y'all can go ahead and turn there. So I haven't had to teach the big lesson in like months. So if you don't know, I'm nervous because I'm not a public speaker. Yeah. Okay. So have y'all ever felt stuck in your life? Maybe you're at the point in your life where you're starting to realize the weight of your sin, but you don't quite know what to do with it. You don't quite know how to respond. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a really long time, but you, find, you don't find yourself living for God. Or maybe you don't even know what it means to live for God. Which, by the way, if you find yourself in any of these spots that I've mentioned, I would encourage you to talk to a leader. Um, anyone in this room would be ecstatic to talk to you. Which, if you don't know who your leader is, go, y'all, y'all raise your hand for a second. You too, Price. You too, yeah. So yeah, any of these people in here would be ecstatic to talk to you about it. Um, so if you have questions, even if it's not about that, go talk, go talk to someone. Um, we would be so happy to talk to you. So anyway, whenever we feel stuck, what do we try to do? We try to get unstuck. And we often try and do it on our own power. I don't know about y'all, but when something goes wrong, I start trying to fix it immediately. I try and do it my way, because in my mind, whenever something goes wrong, I'm just like, ah, what do I do, what do I do? Oh wait, I can do this. But often I don't stop and be like, what would God have me do? How would he approach this? What should I do in light of his will? Instead, I just try and be like, okay, I can fix it this way by doing this my way and we'll get it done. But more often than that, that doesn't really work. Um, so when we're stuck in our spiritual lives, we may try to act better or do all the right Christian things. 
but we ultimately end up right back where we started. And as Jared Wilson puts it, self-help doesn't help because myself is the problem. How can myself help myself? Which, y'all might need to read that a few times because I definitely had to read that a few times. So, the point is though, that if we are the problem, how can we help ourselves? So, back when I was in high school, um, I decided to take some of my younger students, um, because I was helping out in the youth group, mudding at my house. Which, if you've never been mudding, basically, you get a four-wheeler, Jeep, big truck, something, and just go driving through mud as fast as you can. It's really fun. Anyway, um, so we at least tried to go mudding in the cornfield behind my house, which, the way this cornfield is set up, it like, kind of like slopes towards the center. So you end up with this one really muddy spot. So naturally, that's right where we went to. And I think we maybe got through about like for five minutes, and then we got the four-wheeler stuck. So, and when I say stuck, I mean like half of the tire was buried in this mud. Like it was stuck. So we spend the next like hour and a half trying to get this thing out. Um, we are digging. We're putting boards underneath the tires, filling it with gravel, like everything. We're trying to push the thing out. So, so yeah, um, we're trying all this stuff to get this thing out and nothing. We're like, maybe get it out, we drive two feet, and then it's stuck again. So we eventually had to go and get a tractor, and this is kind of where the analogy ends or else God becomes this like 40-year-old tractor, so we're not going to do that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where the analogy ends because we had to get a tractor to pull ourselves out. But the point being that if we do take that analogy, God being on the outside of our muddy, st sticky, sinful-filled lives, he is then able to reach in and pull us out. Um, so it kind of works, but I also don't want to call God a tractor. So anyway, so my point here is this. We tend to lean into ourselves to try and fix whatever rut we might be in. However, that just leads to frustration. Much like my mudding experience, where we think we have gotten ourselves unstuck, we just end up right back where we started, stuck in the mud, and that's if we even got out to begin with. Because the truth is, when it applies to our sinful lives, we can't. We can't get out of that rut. So, or to put it in a different way, we cannot stop sinning in our own strength. Or else we wouldn't need Jesus. If we could just will ourselves to stop sinning, then there would be no reason for us to be here because we wouldn't need to grow closer to God because we could just fix ourselves. No, we must look to God and rely on God as our sole source of salvation. Without him, none of it is possible. We can't fix ourselves. So, if y'all have already turned to um, Galatians 5, we're going to be in verse 16. I'll give you a second to get there. Okay, cool. Everyone's there. So, verse 16, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't know what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So, starting in verse 16, it describes us as walking with the Spirit. And I just love this imagery because I just picture this image of walking, walking next to God, kind of like in the Garden of Eden, and we're walking step by step to him, just following after him. Um, kind, of, kind of like, have you ever seen like little ducklings following after a mama duck? 
Like, that's kind of the image I get. Like, we're, we're just sitting here, like, like, and, like, running after him, doing, trying to mirror him the best we can. And as we keep reading, we see this idea that as we are walking with God, we will begin to see his aspects shine through us because he makes us more and more like himself. And in a few verses, this is going to be referred to as the fruit of the Spirit, which, by the way, for those in impact, the song, you're welcome. That's going to be stuck in your heads for the rest of the time. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's going to be referred to as the fruit of the Spirit, but this also echoes the ideas found in other parts of Scripture, such as us bearing the image of God. And I think there's a, one very important distinction in these first few verses, and that it's that you cannot walk in both the Spirit and the flesh at the same time. Verse 16 says, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. And in verse 17, for the flesh desires what is against the Spirit. And later in that same verse, it says that these are opposed to each other. That being the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit are opposed to each other. And it's not just that it's a bad idea for us to walk in the ways of the flesh, or that it paints a bad picture for Christians. Don't get me wrong, those are true. They are, it is a bad idea, and it does paint a bad picture. But the reason that it's bad is because they're polar opposites. We can't be driving north and south at the same time. They're opposites. We cannot be chasing after the desires of the flesh and the desires of God at the same time. They're polar opposites. You can either do one or the other, but you can never do both. And so we can't run towards God and sin at the same time. So in other words, if we are running towards sin, we are running away from God. Which, think about that in your life for a second. If we're running towards sin, we are running away from God. That hits me pretty hard. I don't know about y'all, but... So anyway, as Paul continues the letter, he jumps into two very different lists, the first being the works of the flesh and the second being the fruit of the Spirit. So let's keep reading in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying, and envying one another. Oh, sorry, I almost forgot. Leaders, there are questions back on that, the sound booth back there. So if y'all need them, they are back there. All right, so um, we don't have just a ton of time. So unfortunately, I don't dive into all of these different aspects that it's listing out in these verses. Because honestly, each of those sections can probably be a sermon on its own. So we're just going through like a brief overview. Um, so in the previous section, when Paul was saying not to carry out the works of the flesh, if any of y'all were like, okay, wait, what, what does that mean? Paul's got you. He's like, okay, here's some examples. This is what it means to walk in the flesh, to produce the works of the flesh in your life. Um, and... He purposely puts these two lists side by side so that we can ex- see the extreme contrast between the two. 
one list is focused around us, what we want, and fulfilling our desires, while the other list is largely focused on our relationship with others, how we interact with the world around us. And if you look at that list, it is so countercultural to what we are taught that we need to act. Because the world around us rarely says, love other people more than you love yourself. You might hear a few people say it, but for the most part, it's going to be, do whatever you think you need to do. Do what's best for you. And this is just so countercultural to what we are taught. And by the way, in verses 19 through 21, which is the first list, Paul's not listing a complete list of things not to do. Or he's not saying, like, these are all the ways you can walk in the flesh. And that as long as you avoid these, you're good to go. Now, these are just, gen these are just a general list of examples um, to kind of give you an idea. And I love how at the end, and he kind of adds that, that little qualifying statement that's like, and anything similar to it. Because, you know, we like to be legalistic and be like, okay, Paul didn't actually say this. And it's not quite the same thing as, as what he lists there. So I should be good to go. Now, Paul's like, nope, I gotcha. Anything similar? Nope. But he's not using this as a recipe for salvation because a lot of people read stuff like this and they get confused because they read this big list of do's and do nots. They see the do nots and be like, okay, so what this must mean is as long as I don't do these things, I'm saved. As long as I do these things, I'm good to, yeah, sorry. As long as I don't do these things, I'm saved. And I also do these things, then I'm good to go. But that's not what Paul's talking about at all. And in fact, that goes directly against what he teaches literally everywhere else in Scripture. Um, if y'all are familiar, if, and y'all have been around on Wednesday nights when we've been going through Ephesians, one of the big things that he talks about in there is that salvation isn't your own doing. And he, does, he says this over and over again, that it's solely the gift of God. So instead of saying that, like, this is a list of do's and do nots, he is demonstrating that as the Spirit changes your life and transforms your desires, you will bear the fruits of the Spirit. So before the Spirit, while you may have, looked, may have looked more like the first list, through the work of the Spirit in your life, you're going to look more and more like the second list. You're going to display those qualities more in your life. Um, and the fruit of the Spirit is not a prerequ prerequisite, that's a hard one, for salvation, but rather it's a result of salvation and the work of the Holy Spirit of, in your life. So it's not like we become a Christian and then we're given this to-do list, be like, by the way, you must master these things. Good luck, have fun. No, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives producing these fruit in us and making us look more and more like our Savior. So before we move on, one last comment about the verses at the end, of, about the verse at the end of 21. It says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I just wanted to stop and touch on this for a second because some people read this and they kind of get freaked out. And they stop and think like, what, what if I've done some of those things? Am I, am I not a Christian? That is the beauty of the gospel. That the second we rely on him, the second that we turn our faith towards him, the second that we repent of those sins, that past is wiped away. We are a new creation. So what is it talking about here then? It's talking about people who are unrepentant. 
That is their way of life. They're pursuing after those things. They are constantly chasing them. So, and in our example from earlier, they're running away from God towards the desires of the flesh instead of towards God. So, um, let's see. Yeah, that is why the power of the gospel is so amazing because regardless of what your past may have been, we are a new creation once we are in Christ. So as we move into the fruit of the Spirit, I can't help but notice some things about these lists. First, the works of the flesh are all mainly actions that we would physically do, um, while the fruit of the Spirit are mainly qualities that we possess or that we can demonstrate through our actions. And I think this is so cool because Paul isn't giving us a list of good things that we have to do as a solution for the bad things in this world. He's not saying um, you shouldn't do these things, but to make up for it, you need to do these good things. Instead, he's giving us Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit in us, which will then overflow as these qualities in our lives as the fruit of the Spirit, um, which I just think is so cool because it goes so beyond the the idea that we are saved by our works because we aren't. We're saved by the work of Jesus and him alone. It's not like we can do these lists of good things to get into heaven. No, it's him producing them in us. And again, I don't really have time to go into all the details about what each of these qualities mean. So if there's one that you're like, but what does that mean? Ask your leader. That would be a great thing to discuss in your small group. Um, so yeah, please don't be afraid to ask questions like that during these times. That's what they're for. Um, so just a few observations about the fruit of the Spirit. First, this is one fruit that is produced in us, not multiple fruits. It's a complete package that God produces in us. And second, um, this one big fruit that is produced in us is a work of the Holy Spirit. Again, I know I've said that so many times, but it's so important. This isn't something that we're, we're like, okay, I have to master patience. I have to master patience, and that we're just going to will ourselves to do better because we can't. It has to be the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He is what's producing these things in us because by ourselves, we just cannot do it. Um, so I want to ask y'all, which of these lists is your life characterized, characterized by? Is it the fruit of the flesh or the fruit of the spirit? So really take some time today to consider that. Be like, is my life more characterized by this list or that list? Because if you call yourself a Christian and you're finding that it's more characterized by that first list, you might need to reconsider some things. Might need to have some time to seriously sit down and talk not talk, think. Um, because, again, if we aren't living for God, the only alternative is that we're living for ourselves. And I've really loved how all these lessons from this discipleship series kind of come together. So over the past few weeks, we talked about stuff like prayer and reading our Bible, how they are integral parts of the Christian life. No, they are not what saves you. Again, I, there's no amount of scripture reading that I can do to get me into heaven. It's solely by faith in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. And reading our Bible, yes, these are all good things, and they're, we should do them as Christians. But let's see how this all comes together. So one of the things we talked about is that reading our Bible and prayer are all tools 
that help grow our faith. They help grow our salvation. And as we're spending that time walking with God day by day, um, praying, praying to him, reading his word, we're going to continue growing. We're going to continue strengthening our faith. And last week, we talked about how Christian community, stuff like church, will also do that same thing. But not only that, not only do we get to come here and grow ourselves, but we get to then turn around and pour into other people and help them grow. We get to take what we've been learning, help them grow. And again, all the while, we are becoming more and more like Christ because we are continuing to walk with him day by day. And then these fruits of the Spirit that we see up here, they continue to grow in us. They continue to become more and more apparent until they're just overflowing in our lives. And then the best part, we then get to go out into a watching world who desperately needs to hear the name of Jesus. And we get to proclaim that to them. Just like y'all are about to do with Impact, we get to go out and proclaim the gospel, the good news. And people are going to notice. They're going to be watching and be like, what's different about them? Why do they have such joy in a time like this? We're in lockdowns. They're probably having to wear a mask out in 70-degree weather. Like, why are, they, why are they so joyful? Why would they come do this? It's because the Spirit has produced these qualities in us if we are walking with him day by day. So here in a little bit, we're going to go into discussion groups. Um, and leaders, do you all remember where you all were last week? Cool, because I don't remember where everyone was. So, um, so yeah, we're about to go into discussion groups, so if y'all would pray with me. Dear God, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your gift of salvation, that it is not something that we have to earn, but that it's freely given. And I pray that as we continue to grow closer to you, that we, we will look more and more like you every day, that we will look so much like you that we begin to overflow with your qualities so a watching world can see, and that we will be ready to go boldly into that world and proclaim your name. In Jesus' name, amen.